I was uh, raising support and uh, you guys took me on uh, pretty quickly and I'm really thankful for that. Thank you for your prayers. Um, I'd like to introduce my family and uh, this is my uh, wife, Katie. And that's our son, Albert. He is four, almost four months old. And this is uh, Ellie, the next one. Her name is Penelope. She's about two years old. And then our oldest is Mary. She's about four years old. <laughs> and uh, for them, too, this is their first time. In, or the, for the girls, this is their first time in Montana. So they're having a good time. Uh, instead of living in the urban areas of Tokyo, being crammed in the apartment, they're getting to run around and see animals and stuff and having a good time going in the streams. And it's good to be back. Um, I want to encourage you guys to grab a prayer card if you don't have one already. And also, please uh, sign up for our email if we don't have your email so that I can spam you once every other month. So <laughs> I promise you they're not too terribly long. And, but they will give you an idea about what's happening overseas. All right. Let me get this deal started. So our message for today is called Living in the Minority. Living in the Minority. If you didn't get to see the uh, presentation that I did this morning, uh, in it, the video says that 99 out of 100 people in Japan are not Christian. They're not born again. So we experienced uh, very clearly what it's like living in the minority. My message for today, living in the minority. Now, how many of you were shocked at the rate in which Afghanistan collapsed to the Taliban? With all of our might, with all of our backing, and trillions of investment and research for the whole thing to fold so quickly in a short amount of time. How many of you that remember were shocked at the rate in which the Soviet Union collapsed overnight? With all of their great might, their empire, and uh, resources for the Soviet Union to fold so quickly overnight. How many of you would be shocked if the, if the U.S. global hegemony collapsed rapidly overnight? It's very possible. You see, every great empire must come to an end. And we as Americans have been sensing kind of looming changes happening over the horizon in our nation for quite some time. You see, men in their great pride without God cannot predict the future. They think that things are going to indefinitely go on forever. They never see an end to their own greatness. But God knows their ends. It might seem like the Taliban has won, but God knows their ends. Someday, they will be judged. Maybe the communists in the Soviet Union thought that their empire was going to go on forever. Maybe they thought that they were going to create some kind of great utopia where they could exclude God. But... They, too, were defeated and their empire came to an end. Maybe the same with us and our pride, with our uh, military and all of our great power around the earth. Think that we will last forever, but, may, but there will come a time when we come to our end. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, 
Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. <clears throat> Man tends to get proud over time. He tends to rely upon himself and tends to cast off the things of God as we're seeing this happen here in America as well. <clears throat> in the Bible, we can learn from history, especially with Jeremiah. Uh, in the ancient case of Israel, by the time that Jeremiah came to the scene, the people clearly rejected God, uh, leading to their own eventual captivity by Babylon. They found themselves in a minority position in a pagan empire. As we know, later the same Babylon empire that took Israel into captivity was later judged by God. <clears throat> From the Bible we get the saying, seeing the writing on the wall. Right before the Babylon, uh, Babylonian empire was taken and given to the Medes and the Pers Persians, though Daniel was preserved. For all extensive purposes, in our openly divided nation today, we too are starting to see a writing on the wall of sorts, with a cultural revolution of sorts occurring, uh, seeking to remove God. As Christians, we know that our issues truly are not political, they're not economic, they're not military or warfare related, but they are directly as a result of sin. The majority American worldview is not a biblical worldview and has not been for quite some time. People live that out as they seek to find a purpose without God in our society. Bible believers are in the minority and sadly declining in influence as the nation becomes more hardened. <clears throat> For a long time, our nation has led the world in corruption through many different means. Through Hollywood, through violence, sex, blasphemy, drugs and alcohol, and the occult, we are number one uh, in the movie industry worldwide. When we meet somebody in Japan, they know more about America through Hollywood and through its movies than they know about Christianity. In fact, they're influenced greatly by those things, and we are the leader in that area. What about the music industry? We are number one in that area as well. In all the same regards, we influence the world in that way. What about the porn industry? We are number one in the world. 89% is made here in America. We lead in that regard. Weapons industry. We are the number one supplier of weapons in the world. 37% or 37 of the world's exports uh, around the world. And who knows where those weapons go? Who knows where they end up or how they end up being used? And we're number one also with the LGBTQ pressure worldwide. We pressure other countries to change their laws to support this wicked lifestyle. And also, we are the leader in the unethical progressive farming practices, meaning genetically altered foods, genetically altered uh, animals, things like that. And for this reason, a lot of countries won't accept our food or won't trade with us because of the genetic altering of the foods. And also, of course, we promote abortion and uh, uh, our leader in birth control and con contraceptive medications and things like that worldwide. <clears throat> and the average American has over $90,000 in debt. All of these things are reflections of us as a people uh, moving away from God. This is what our influence has become worldwide. 
we live in a culture that is making righteousness out to be strange. And the Bible speaks of this in Isaiah 5, 20 and 21. It says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. That has become much like our people, our nation. <clears throat> we make righteousness out to be strange. Can we redeem our nation? As was said by Billy Graham of all people, if God does not judge the USA, then he needs to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Has any nation in history once started down this road, turned its course? Uh, maybe. There is one example in the Bible of a nation turning and repenting. But in general, it doesn't seem like it is the case. <clears throat> Look around as Americans, uh, our Generation X and Millennials, the generation that I am from, they're mostly lost. They can be likened to the last generations of Israel res resisting Jeremiah before being taken into Babylonian captivity. Or as much as I would not like to admit it, we are living in a, a Babylonian captivity of sorts. According to the Arizona Christian University, only about 16% of millennials are born again. And in 2020, the millennial group became the majority of Americans. And according to the same studies, only 14% of Americans have a biblical worldview. How does that impact your spirit when you're influenced by that every day, an unbiblical worldview? There are so many similarities with Israel, though we are no Israel and we are not in a covenant with God. God is still the same and he's likely grieved by a nation with a godly people turning away from him over time. Now, over the last year and a half, we're constantly, constantly reminded of our national state with the same news stories. COVID, fear, depression, politics, bad economy, rumors of war, natural disaster, loss of rights, etc. I'm not here to focus on all that because we're well aware of, aware of all that. I'm here to talk about us, here to talk about God's people. God's people who are born again, living for God. We know, we are known as the light of the world that is the shine before men. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, the Bible says, ye, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. God has given us one life, one chance. Here today, gone tomorrow. That candlestick can only burn for so long. That time, this time that we have, this is our chance. As it appears to us here in the United States that the age of grace may be coming to an end, how will you exist in this scenario? How will you use your precious remaining time? What will you do? Will we spend our time trying to preserve the old world or to prepare for the next world? <clears throat> now, I read this book quite some time ago by Leo Tolstoy called The Kingdom of God Within You. And, and in that, there was an interesting quote that he had to say that I want to share with you. <clears throat> it goes like this. If you are content with the old world, try to preserve it. It is very sick and cannot hold out much longer. But if you cannot bear to live in everlasting dissonance between your beliefs and your life's, life, thinking one thing and doing another, get out of the medieval whitened sepulcher and face your fears. I know very well it is not easy. This quote came to my mind as I was working as a probation officer in America, and I thought about doing everything the same, 
using secular humanism to change people doesn't work. And I realized I was a hypocrite and it was time to make a change. And I did, uh, confronted my own fears uh, in doing these mission trips and eventually God called me to be a missionary. Dear Saints, now that you have experienced the impact of the whole COVID situation, how many of you really begin to realize that this world is not your home? How many of you are looking forward to the blessed hope of the rapture now more than ever? The world is changing and our American way of life is forever changed. The sooner that we realize that, the sooner we can be ready to fight the spiritual battles needed of us. As minorities in this society and in this world, we will have to make decisions each day on whether we will go with the flow of society or whether we will push back against it. I'm not talking about Christian activism or revolution or anything like that that promotes joining hands with a mixed multitude of Catholics or false prophets and New Agers. In fact, the Bible speaks specifically in Romans 16, 17 through 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrines which you have learned, and avoid them. For they are such as serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speech deceive the hearts of the simple. We may not be able to redeem our nation, but we can be part of reconciling people to Christ. In the Bible, this is uh, one of our passages that we use as missionaries. Our theme verse is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. I'll read that here for you. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We are bringing back a separated people to God. That's what we do as missionaries. Just like the prodigal son that has left God, we are reconciling them back with a relationship with God. That is our task. That, we, that is what is clear in the scriptures, what we must do. In the age of grace that we live in, the answer is always the same. We must boldly take the gospel to our fellow lost and dying Americans, no matter the cost. It must be the air that we breathe. I read these steps, uh, or I have these steps that I read online in an article, and I wanted to share them with you because they were encouraging to me. And also, I wanted to mention, you know, yesterday we were in the park and we met a guy from Iran of all places. I can tell that America is changing because I meet a guy from Iran in a small park in Bozeman. Guess what? We witnessed to the man. We, sh we uh, invited him to the church that we're going right there, or in uh, Bozeman. We have to realize that our world is changing and we need to step up our game and we need to reach out uh, to these people. Here are some steps from this article that I want to share for you, or with you. <clears throat> <clears throat> Living in the minority. First, before the rapture occurs, the world will get worse before it gets better as it heads into the tribulation period. Be ready to stand for God. 
We see that in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 5. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 reads, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall lo be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. There has never been a time in my short life where I have noticed each of these verses more so than in the time that we live in being a reality. Next step. Two, make sure that you, your family, your neighbors, and those you have influence with are born again. Share the gospel with them. Pray for them daily. Don't give up. Eternity is a long time. I was in Missoula uh, a few weeks ago. I visited my old neighbor. He's a hardcore atheist. He's an admitted, avowed communist. He, did, he told me that he's a communist. But I continued to share the gospel with him. The first thing he said to me uh, when he saw me is he was super angry, angry at me because I wrote him a letter and I uh, shared with him about my beliefs about creationism and I've been witnessing to this guy for years. I don't care if he's a communist. I'm going to keep praying for this guy because eternity is a long time. And uh, guess what? There's many, many people like that and there's getting to be more. We have to make sure that we continue to pray and reach out. Be ready for Christ's return, the blessed hope. We're not looking for the Antichrist to come. We're looking for Christ. We're looking for the blessed hope. And uh, that is read uh, as a continual theme throughout the scriptures. In Titus chapter 2, 11 through 15, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Great instructions for this time that we live in. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Uh, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. That's what we are living in. Looking forward to that blessing hope, blessed hope. James 5, verse 8 and 9 says, Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Philippians 4, 5, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And these verses were written 2,000 years ago, but we can relate to them probably now more than any time in our life. Next step, of course, focus on things above. Focus on things above. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 reads, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then ye shall also appear with him in glory. Right now, we might be living in a time where it's really depressing. There's COVID deaths happening. A guy from my high school uh, just died, my same exact age, from COVID. It might be a time to look at the things of the world and just get super uh, downtrodden, but realize that according to this, we should be setting our uh, affections on things above, on eternity, not on this present time. <clears throat> Next would be, of course, <clears throat> oops, strengthen the local church, strengthening the local church. And that is read in 1 Timothy 3.15. It says here, But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, 
and most importantly, a pillar and ground of the truth. As society becomes more and more subjective in its beliefs, not knowing what the truth is, this place right here, the local church, is going to be the source of truth. You guys are going to be the uh, gate holders of that truth to give out to this community. So this uh, local church must be strengthened. <clears throat> also next, fulfill the Great Commission, as you guys are well aware of. Each of us has that role, not only as reconciling people to Christ, but as reaching out, as uh, undergoing the persecutions, uh, giving out gospel tracts, praying for people, witnessing to them, not giving up on them, fulfilling the Great Commission. That's our role, everybody's role. And pray, the most important thing probably out of all the things that I have here is pray, pray, pray. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of truth. I know things are getting bad in America, but you know what? They're not as bad as some places on this earth, like uh, Vietnam, China, some places like that, even Japan in a lot of different ways. We still have some kind of remnant of freedom of speech. We can still stand on the street corners and preach the gospel. We can still hand out tracts to people without uh, much fear of reprisal. And we still have the ability to pray, pray publicly. So let us not forget that. Even though we have lousy leaders, perhaps, we still need to lift them up in, in prayer to preserve what we do have uh, as a remnant of our rights. Uh, next is engage media with biblical discernment. Ask lots of questions. Uh, do research on what you hear. Now is, a, is definitely a time of uh, all kinds of different uh, conflicting views on the same types of information. It is a time that we need to ask God for discernment to find out what is true and what isn't true. And uh, for that, I have some excellent verses here that I want to share with you that really helped me out as I was engaging media. And that was Proverbs 8, 18, or chapter 18, verse 17. It says, He that is first in his own cause seemeth just, but his neighbor come and searcheth him. So a lot of times you hear a story or you see something, only part of it. But as you do more research, you realize there's more to the story and what you, were, what you heard was not true. So we need to be able to do that. We need to engage our media with biblical discernment, not making judgments right away about what we hear. And also Proverbs 18, verse 13. He that answers the matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and shame unto him. So we need to make sure that we're checking all of our different uh, sources for information in this time where truth is becoming harder and harder to find. We need to engage the uh, media with biblical discernment. We need to discern whether to go with the flow or to stand for God in an ungodly society. So each of you guys in your workplace, you're going to have to determine what you're going to stand for, what you're going to tolerate, and what you're not going to tolerate as society gets worse and worse and uh, things become uh, harder for Christians. Uh, I don't know if there's any retired uh, people in here, but some of you might think, well, I'm retired. I can't really do much. I want to encourage you to remember in uh, Genesis, Abraham was 75 years old when he left. And uh, also, Moses was 80 years old when he saw the burning bush. And uh, oftentimes, uh, those of us that are in retired age have the most experience and maturity and spiritual knowledge to help the next generation. Maybe you think that you, maybe in general, you just think that you have failed and that you're weak. Well, guess what? We have all failed and we are all weak. 
the Bible has an account of weak men being used by God. God is the one that gets the honor, not us. So don't let your time that you have here uh, go to waste. For that, I want to turn to Daniel. How can we learn from Daniel? Daniel was a man that lived in the minority. He was a slave. He was shipped away to a strange and pagan land to live out his life. What can we learn from him as a people? <clears throat> he lived in captivity. He was a slave. He was living in a minority position in pagan Babylon. Uh, his mindset was one of humility. Though his name was changed, he was educated by uh, pagan Babylonian means, but he was given wisdom by God, and he was subservient to the king there. Uh, something that we, we can learn, no matter how bad the situation gets here, and being inundated with uh, pagan, paganism around us, uh, God can give us strength and wisdom and humility and uh, help us through that. Also, Daniel stood for God. He knew when it was time to stand for God and when not to stand for God. He obeyed uh, the leadership that he was put um, before him. And because the Bible says he had an excellent spirit, he was appointed as a high official multiple times. When it came to stand for God, he did it. His testimony was very clear to unbelievers, enough for them to seek him out and to persecute him. So while we are in the comfort of our church, we need to uh, take this time wisely to determine what our convictions are going to be, how we're going to stand for God, and uh, what we're going to stand for. And I want to encourage you with this passage, 1 Peter 4, 1 through 6. 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 through 6. Oops. I'm a millennial, so I'm used to looking it up on my phone. <laughs> 1 Peter 4, 1 through 6 says this. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable, abominable idolatries, wherein they think that it is strange that ye run not with them the same excesses of riot, speaking evil of you. I want to point especially that last verse out. As society becomes more and more wicked, they're going to think that we are more and more strange and unique of a people as we do not participate in these things. We have to determine our convictions just as Daniel determined his uh, convictions not to partake in the king's food or to continue to pray even when it was uh, illegal for him to do so. He knew when to stand for God and what to stand for. Each of us has to determine in our own lives how we're going to live that out as society changes. And uh, Daniel submitted to authorities. He willingly went into the lion's den and trusted God with whatever the outcome when it came to standing for clear convictions about diet and prayer. How about us? Would we be the same as Daniel if it came down to it? Would we be ready to step into that lion's den? I don't know. But I want to uh, ask God for the strength and the bravery, the courage to do that. And uh, each of us needs to be willing to do that as our society changes. We have a lot to learn from Daniel. Also, more recently, something that hits closer to home is learning from Paul. 
we can uh, learn from him as well because he chose to battle for God in spiritual conflicts. Very interesting. Interest, interestingly enough, he fought his battles with spiritual conflicts, not in political conflicts to change Roman laws. And from that, I think that we as Christians uh, can learn a lot. Paul was a Roman citizen living in a minority position in the Roman Empire. His mindset also was one of humility. There's a theme there in these great men, humility. His name, was, his name was changed, he was educated by Jews, and he was subservient to the laws when they did not go against God. But as you read throughout the book of Acts, there were times when he did go against the laws and he was persecuted for that. And guess what? Eventually he was not delivered. He went to prison and died eventually whereas Daniel was delivered so it could be the case no matter what stand we take we could either be delivered or not be delivered either way we need to uh, consult God and make our decision to stand for God no matter what Paul advocated to live peaceably with all if possible Peace, live peaceably with all men and I'll read that uh, passage here Romans chapter 12 verse 18 Romans 12 18 says <clears throat> if possible as much as lieth within you live peaceably with all men and as our society degrades and as people get more and more nasty we need to remember to die to ourselves to live peaceably if possible he did not actively try to change the Roman laws but instead wholly advocated for spreading the gospel <clears throat> it didn't matter to him Maybe it did, it probably did matter to him that it, some places were easier to spread the gospel were than others, but that wasn't his main focus on changing the law to make it easier for him to spread the gospel. His focus was on spreading the gospel because time was short. And I think that uh, we are starting to experience that as well as laws in our country are changing and becoming more hostile to the gospel. <clears throat> and we read in, whoops, Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. Uh, says this, Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that you may be blameless and harmless, sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among which ye shine as lights in the world. Again, that should be us. That should define who we are. We are uh, also living in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And Paul was persecuted, and we will likely face persecution when we stand for God in these days. And Paul often made a decision about what to stand for and what not to stand for, usually choosing God no matter the consequence. We also must be ready to do the same in this society. Again, whether we will be delivered or whether we won't be delivered, we too need to make our decision while we're living in relative peace and comfort, uh, rather than having to make that decision when the time comes. <clears throat> what about learning from Japan as missionaries. We lived in a place where it was 99% unchristian, 99% unsaved. We are the 1% living in a heavily Buddhist Shinto society. What did we learn from living in the minority? How can we uh, pass that on to be of a blessing here? First thing is that we realized that we were different. We realized that we were different from everybody else. Japan is a society, uh, what's, what's called a homogeneous society. It's like 99% Japanese people. 
So we are white people with brown hair walking around. We're bigger than everybody else. We look different. We realized right away looking around, hey, we're not Japanese. We're different than everybody around us. The same thing you're going to realize too as this society becomes more and more dark. You guys are different. Christians are going to be different. We're going to look around. Uh, I don't know if I many of you guys go to Missoula or go downtown. You're going to look around and you realize <laughs> you <laughs> are different than the people around you. Also, we realize right away that Japan is not our home. It's a different place. It, and it's never going to be our home. We are visitors. We are guests in that place. The same here. We realize as our nation and our society changes, we're going to realize this America is not our home. Our home is in heaven with God. We are uh, just guests here. We're just passing through. Also, we realized when we were in Japan that we are unusual and everybody is watching us. The best way to liken us or liken it is like a, a fishbowl, basically. You look at that fish, everybody is looking at you all the time, constantly. Another missionary said, uh, said likened it to uh, imagine if an alien from a planet came and landed in your town and a, a green alien speaking a different language. You would be staring at the green alien and being curious about that green alien. The same thing. So as missionaries in Japan. So we realize that we are unusual. Here again, we realize that we are unusual. We're different. We act different. We dress different. We talk different than the world around us. Also, in Japan, we didn't expect any benefits from being a Christian, living in the extreme minority. You learn to realize that everybody around you is Shinto. They have, or, or Shinto or Buddhist, they have different values than you do. So we didn't expect to get any privileges or benefits from being a Christian. The same thing is going to happen here. As Christian rights decrease, as the country becomes more, pra uh, more pagan, um, we can't expect any benefits from the state or any kind of uh, benefits from being a Christian. Aside from the obvious supernatural benefits and things that we get from God, of course. <clears throat> uh, also, we realized when we were in Japan that we have a great responsibility to sharing the gospel with those around us. When 99 out of 100 people are unsaved, your view of people around you changes rapidly. Every interaction that you make, you give out a gospel track. You're always praying for people. Your whole entire spirit, your whole entire outlook changes because you are in the extreme minority. And guess what? The same thing here. As this country becomes more and more pagan, more and more hardened to God, as it rejects God, we also are going to have a great, greater, greater responsibility of sharing the gospel around us. Whether or not they accept it, we still have to do it. And that's, that is uh, what we do as missionaries. Also, what we learned in Japan is we don't participate in most of society's events. Most of society's events in Japan are pagan or Buddhist or wicked type events having to do with worshiping deities and things like that. As America becomes more and more darker, we start to realize we are not going to participate in society's events as well. We're going to realize that we are a minority in society, a different element. And also, we are limited in our opportunities in society. Being in the 1% over in Japan, uh, I am limited in what I can do and what I can't do. I am limited in my ability to stay, uh, in my ability to buy property, in my ability to work uh, jobs. I am limited and confined by whatever my visa allows me to do. 
living in a minority in that society. Same thing here is happening, is going to happen in America. The more that you identify out, outwardly and live outwardly Christianly, the more the, the benefits and the things like that are going to be limited as persecution comes to Christians. What we can and can't do in society is going to change as things get more and more uh, pagan-like. So we, we're going to have to make our decisions about what we can and can't do in society. <clears throat> that is what we learned from that. So as, as you can imagine, as we live in the minority, we're going to have to learn to rely upon each other, to pray for each other, to help each other out more as our society changes, as this world changes, as the time um, runs out in the age of grace. We, as God's people, are going to have to step up our game. We're going to have to fight these battles. We're going to have to be ready and willing to be persecuted. That's the reality that we are facing. And the sooner that we realize that, and the sooner that we prepare for that now, we are going to be uh, more ready for it. We're going to, uh, it, we can't necessarily expect to be delivered like Daniel, but at the same time, we could be delivered. And the same thing with uh, Paul. We... Uh, there may very well be a chance that we could go to jail. We could be persecuted, different things like that, as our nation changes. So I want to encourage you guys at this time to keep up the fight. Keep praying. Keep doing evangelism. Keep reaching out to people. Don't give up on them as society becomes more darkened. Keep strengthening the local church. Keep your hope towards God, looking for the blessed hope. Not looking for things to change here on earth, but looking for blessings from God. And I pray that this message today will be a blessing and encouragement to you. And I look forward to fellowshipping with you afterwards. Let's close with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear God, we thank you for these people here in Berean Baptist Church. Thank you for their faithfulness and gathering together, God. Thank you for their uh, prayer and their love and support of missionaries and their evangelism. Thank you for them standing for being a ground and pillar of truth in this community. I pray for each of the people in this church to be strengthened and encouraged. I pray you give them wisdom and discernment as they uh, go through life in this changing society. I pray that they would be encouraged. I pray that they would have the ability to soul win and to reach out to people around them. I pray that they would not be discouraged and they would not uh, give up on witnessing to certain people. And God, I pray that you would bless them. And I also pray that you would provide with them a godly uh, leader for their future to help navigate um, them during this difficult uh, time as we're facing as Americans. And God, I pray that our focus would be on things above and not things below. God, we love you. And we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen.